As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, special guests, diplomacy, Scyther, and magnates of food chain operations. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. You can listen to us if you're a fancy man online at CFRU.ca or if you're an even fancier man, you can turn on your TV or you can maybe just like go really high up and activate the tinfoil in your head and just broadcast straight to your brain. I don't know. (laughs) There are a lot of ways to listen to us, so you should do it. Uh, I am joined in the studio with... It's me, Joel. And a very, very special guest... Josh. Josh. Ooh, just Josh. Uh, Josh, we like to start every episode of Android's Dungeon off with a very simple question. What have you been playing recently? Well, most recently, I was playing uh, Grim Dawn for most of the weekend, but before that, we were playing Scythe. Well, hold on. You don't have to pivot right away from Grim Dawn. Oh, no, I'm just saying we're going to come back to Scythe, but uh, Grim Dawn, oh, it's a Diablo-like... ARPG. Yeah. It's very fun. It's just like, like Diablo three. No, no, no. It's it's more like a you know <laughs> no, Diablo the, two, <laughs> but better. It's like what Diablo three Whoa, could it's be better if it wasn't than Diablo be, if it wasn't made by Blizzard. You know, oh. this you would be Diablo three. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. We already agree. What? Jack, have you ever played Titan Quest, for example? I start. You know what? I started Titan Quest, and it was it, maybe I just wasn't didn't know what I was doing, but I found it very difficult from the get go, and I it's like I I don't know what I'm doing here. It's very I'm getting my rear end handed to me constantly. Oh well, I mean yes, Titan Quest is like that, but it's very rewarding when you succeed then uh but this is made by the people who made titan quest so yeah and it said i always thought for some reason it was associated with warhammer but it's just kind of this grim dark universe that's kind of similar to the uh uh warhammer-esque sort of gothic witch hunter stuff right oh it's definitely like that yes (laughs) so do you endorse it give us a give us a rundown here oh well i mean um really the nicest thing about um nordic games you know titan quest or grim down in this case is Uh character building so um, in Grim Dawn, there are like five or six different classes. And at level 10, you can multi-class, which means you can be two things at the same time, um, which is really cool because it offers a lot of combinations of different types of stuff. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you know, you have gear, you have set gear, you have random item ability gear. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a feature called constellations where you can like spec into these, um, you know, they're just constellations. They have like five or six stars, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like a giant eyeball or a dragon or something. <laughs> and when you reach the end of the constellation, you usually get like a special ability, whether it's like a proc or a passive or something. So if you combine all of these things together, you can super customize your character in like a hundred thousand bajillion different ways. So is and, it, uh, it's not broken though. It's not like there's a guide out there that says, look, if you pick this one, you're screwed. You need to ca- always do this spec if you want to have a chance. Well, I mean, uh, people make those guys. They'll be like, oh, this is a 65 DK DPS, you know, like do all the mega damage. But... 
whether you're doing 65,000 damage or 20,000 damage, you're probably still wrecking ultimate <laughs> and having a good time. So uh, there's still a bajillion ways to build your character. Whereas, you know, Diablo 3, you're playing that, and it's just like, I'm going to build this set. This is the current set for this season. And let's all run down the same tunnel together and be bored. <clears throat> so, Well, you guys really love Diablo 3. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Blizzard, we hate you, by the way. <laughs> what, uh, who's the enemy? Who's the enemy? Who's the big baddie in Grim Dawn? Oh, God, I don't even know. I'm not even far enough to know who the enemy is. There's well, just undead everywhere running now? around, and you're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll stamp out the undead for you. I'll save you townspeople. Zombies? What? Zombies? Oh, there's zombies. There's some orc-looking things. There's a bunch of, you know, like weird pilgrims with hats and rifles, you know, shooting uh, at you. I can't trust pilgrims. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're zombie pilgrims. We'll never know. <laughs> this is known. Maybe you should talk to them instead of just like, I don't know, <laughs> blowing them up or something. No, no, no. In this game, you have weapons. We don't talk. We fight. Nice. Yeah. I, already, I already like it. It's, uh, uh, what's it's, the NPC scene like? Um, well, They're very chatty. You know, they don't have very much voice acting, but I mean, if you're going to read the text, they have a lot to say in text form. So it sounds like it's, or at least in visually, uh, resembles Diablo 1, which had this fantastic little uh, gothic theme to it. That uh, And I, I, to this day, if I hear the, the theme for Tristan or whatever the town's name, it's like, <laughs> I almost want to play it right now just in the background. <laughs> so just talk. I'm going to load it up. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going <laughs> to. We've got a special guest in the uh, studio. It's uh, Cricket. Hanging out on her. It's actually a DJ cricket. It's on the uh, turntable. <laughs> yeah. It's it's spinning some sick beats, Ready actually. <laughs> oh, my God. You legit have a cricket over there. What's up with that? It's one of the brightest green crickets I've ever seen. It's maybe... Joel, can we get a mic on the cricket? I want him <laughs> yeah. to ask him what it's up to. Come on, cricket. Head cricket, on what's over. up? He's like, you're spinning them beats? Yeah. DJ Crick. Yeah, he's rotating he's spin around. spinning some, some Diablo 1, Tristram music. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So, Grim Dawn, uh, how many... Um, decapitated witches out of 13 do you give it? Yeah, what's the rating? Oh, wait, out of 13? Oh, I would give it like a good 12 out of 13. But, you know, like when I get to ultimate, start blowing up some stuff. Oh, 13 out of 13. Bam. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a top rating. Well, we'll see. I have to get there first. Hold on for a second. Oh, just God. Everyone just... Oh. Maybe we should, we should do the full 10 hours. I know. Is, the ten, is somebody lo- knew who wanted to listen to this for 10 hours? But. 10 hour version. Oh, my God. They looped that for 10 hours? I'm going to leave like, it. That's like their typical Blizzard gaming session. We're going to play Diablo for 10 hours. I'm going to leave it for now because I think it sums up uh, this very medieval, conflicty. Like, there's going to be trouble happening on the horizon, and you are going to be dead center of this trouble. So... That's that's the Tristam theme to me. <laughs> uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Oh, I've been playing some heavy games. Uh, what comes to mind, first of all, is Scythe and Food Chain Magnet and Diplomacy. And I like, can't talk about all of those, but what would you like to know? Let's... Um Let's talk about diplomacy because I feel like that's something that you can. Or you're the you have the only connection. Josh, are you playing? Uh, I was offered to play, but then Great Britain was gifted to Stephen. So okay, you know. so fine. Let's let's talk about diplomacy right now. And why don't you set up what diplomacy is? Because I think the average person may have heard of it, but it's like um, kind of a granddaddy type game. I'm glad you asked. It's actually Henry Kissinger's favorite game. <laughs> or was. Is he living? Yeah, he's still around. He's probably still alive. He looks like the penguin from uh, <laughs> Batman Returns, actually. He's a very rotund fellow. Anyway, continue. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, 
you don't have to be rotund to love the Quincy. <laughs> but it helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I uh, I rolled it into work. I actually bought it and I set it up on our testing bench. And um, I just sent an invitation out there. Uh, we have seven nations ready to uh, carve up the world. Who wants to play? And I've got seven players, so I'm the administrator. So people will send their orders to me and I'll run it but this uh, diplomacy is basically if you think about risk uh very similar except if you took all of the dice rolling so it's not it. fun is what you're saying it's garbage no it's the it, means you, it means you can't be defeated by rng jack you'd appreciate that no <laughs> no no country has any skills yeah they don't have any special units they don't have any buffs you can't put more than one unit into a single territory uh you have no power aside from your mouth you're going to go around and you're going to tell people you listen there's all these you start the game everybody's in a country of there's all these neutral territories and you say okay well we're let's carve these up they're mm -hmm. free all oh, these free supply centers all around the map let's just uh you know i'll go head out into spain and portugal and pick those up and you can go over and pick up uh denmark and uh, maybe uh, Belgium and uh, whatever else is there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, in the southeast, they've got uh, sort of the Balkans are free. Mm -hmm. And Turkey wants to move into there, but so does Austria. And okay, so you have two countries who want the same thing. Obviously, they sort out their differences, and they one person <laughs> takes it, and the other person yeah, just happily up, moves right? on, right? So one guy says, okay, well, you know, I'd like uh, Croatia or something. You know, Croatia didn't exist, but. <laughs> in 1901 <laughs> when the game starts. Uh, and uh, you can have uh, this country next door. So we'll just, I'll go there and then you go there. Mm -hmm. So everybody writes down their orders or sends them to me on a message system. And I take a look and I go, because <laughs> I know <laughs> that some people weren't entirely truthful. So everyone resolves. That's the kind of the, the, the heart of diplomacy is everyone makes their move more or less simultaneously and it all resolves simultaneously. So what happens if one person moves in a territory and another person moves in that territory? The, it's so simple. They just they both move towards the territory, and if it's one-to-one, -one, they both just move back. So they waste their turn, essentially. Yep. That unit does nothing. Uh, if it's two, or you can't have two moving in, but you say you have one moving in and the other one is saying, I support you. Uh, and then that's the force of two against the force of one. Well, then the one guy bounces and the other guy goes in. And so this is a situation where you can use your own units to support, or you can talk to your buddy over here. Uh, hey, Italy, I really want to go into Austria, and I'd like it if you supported the, my move to take over Vienna. Okay, but only if you help me over here with my takeover of this territory. Now you're getting it. Exactly. Right? And then in reality, nobody has gotten what they want. They've been backstabbed both by all their friends. Well, so far, Russia's done pretty well. They're up to six territories starting... With only, everybody only starts with three. So when does Ooh, the game end? playing Russia, though? That's what we really want to know. Jack. No, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, are you playing Russia? Are you the Russians? No, he's, never. He, he's the shadow government. Oh. <laughs> he's, the, he's, the, he's the Putin when Putin wasn't president. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Does Kayla listen to this show? Oh, <laughs> like, don't worry, nobody me. listens to this nobody show. Nobody is my <laughs> shadow government. What is this? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't mind being the, the Illuminati or the cabal behind the scene. I'll yeah. take that... Uh, title um but diplomacy has been around for how many years like was it 60s 
40s? Early like how long 60s, is it? I think. Oh, oh, look, I got my phone. I'll look it up. But I'm pretty sure it's like 1961. Something it's an like old that. game. And I think if you, it's probably one of these games that if you've been digging through grandma's attic long enough or you go to a friend's cottage, they might have a copy of Diplomacy floating around. It was always a game, at least for me. Um, I was at a friend growing up whose family, they always were diplomacy chauvinists. And it was almost like hipsterism before you called hipsterism because they said, you talk about risk or something. They'd say, well, risk is garbage. You want to play diplomacy. It's like, you may be right, but I have no idea what you're talking about. So, so you've played Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Kayla's played Game of Thrones. Talk to her about diplomacy and see how she compares them now. Kayla, I don't think I could convince Kayla to play Game of Thrones again. It, maybe it would take some very, <laughs> it would take some solid persuasion to do so because it's just, it, it's not for her. And I don't blame her, to be honest. I, I don't like Game of Thrones. Every It's just one of these games. It's kind of like, Maybe I'll finish Twilight Imperium one time. I was like, why did I play this, oh, this game? And then every now and then I'm just sitting there Couple thinking about it a bit. It's like, you know what? I could go for another one of those, yeah. since, which isn't an endorsement. It's just maybe there's just something about these games that kind of sticks in your head. But it's not until you play Game of Thrones and you really appreciate, not that I've played Diplomacy, but you really can understand the difference between adding something for complexity's sake and adding something because it makes something actually more interesting. And I think in Game of Thrones' sake, uh, can uh, for that game, it seems like you've just thrown in so much stuff and stirred it all around, and some things float, some things don't. Most of it doesn't. But for those of you that don't know, why are we comparing these games? It's because diplomacy uh, is kind of the original Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was kind of built on that platform, mm -hmm. but then they added stuff. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. What do I you think. do about the added everything? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, clearly you need to shank them first, otherwise, be shanked by boats. Yeah. It's so funny though because you say like the Greyjoys awful at the start, whereas it seems like if you go online with pros, Greyjoys are one of the strongest starts at the beginning. Like in terms of, and I think we talked about this briefly the other night, is just that. Theoretically, if you don't respond to it, they can eliminate one player from the game almost instantly, which can yeah. Lead to and you some... were telling me about a guy who who killed the killed the Lannisters. Yeah, he Turn apparently just, he, within a couple of rounds, just had completely eliminated one player, and it caused a meltdown and whatever. This was just, <laughs> it's an internet story, so take, like, a, with a grain of salt, but it could be, like, it'd be like playing advanced save and somehow somebody in, like, within an hour or two beating in you. In a four-hour game. Yeah. And you're out. Yeah. Turn two. Which would be just brutal. What are you supposed to do in, like, and this gets in a social situation. Like, that's the problem with the player elimination. And I think if you go through most of the games I own, there are a few that have player elimination, but they're they're quick, they're done. Like it's it's not like you're sitting around there the whole time twiddling your thumbs. But like Twilight Imperium, you could be knocked out within if you had just your neighbors just ganged up on you and yeah. you're done. Do you remember our rage episode? This, this is this is reminding me of our game of sight. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, like, don't spoil it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where 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 someone was trapped in their base, it was like being eliminated. No spoilers. Oh, yes. We're gonna get to oh, that. Oh, are so we gonna get to it? It's all I can so think about it. now. Oh, we're who, gonna, was, who was trapped in their base, buddy? Oh, but we were right. in our rage episode. What were you saying, Joel? Uh, we were talking with a lot of people when I interviewed mm -hmm. them said uh, player elimination was their number one. I hate this. Well, how many times have, like, I, I, I actually can't quantify it, so I don't know why I'm asking. More rhetorically, it's just like, how many times have you been sitting there and you felt no control over a game or you've been able to do, unable to do something? Monopoly, Never all these Jack. classic games. I'm Risk. always in control. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, someone, someone's a control freak then. <laughs> Getting insight into Joel here. I am the game. But you just don't want to sit there. It's just like playing it. Like imagine playing, like when you're playing Counter Strike, for example, you're playing online, you're playing a match, and you get killed. 
and you're just sitting there for six minutes. Like right off the bat, somebody no scopes you with a scout. Watching our friend uh, watch other people play PUBG. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's about as exciting as. Well, I, I mean, I was asking if other buddy had a stream that we could watch live. <laughs> like the other Should we? Is. Let's do this. We're, we don't. I don't know how many listeners we have, but let's plug our friend who is a streamer. Yeah, he's well, getting. We let's give him uh, the sad little boost that we can try to provide from from our meager show, but. Um, he, uh, I, I don't think What's he his stream? doesn't use his first name, but it's Safranco. S Z A F R A N K O. Safranco. He Followed streams by many O's. Is there? It's, it's if like you just Sofranco. search Safranco, it'll be one of the ones that comes up there. He is uh, <laughs> apparently streams a lot. <laughs> so He's you can... fifteen hundred views. Is he something? Oh, that's great. So anyway, give him a shot if you want to watch somebody. It's exa- on Twitch. We forgot to add. Um, if you want to watch somebody lose it, <laughs> that's, that's mean. I'm sure he does fine. But uh, um, I have been playing uh, some things that some of you guys probably share, at least Joel does. But I'll go with a computer game because I've been obsessed with something recently, and it's it. Um, I am a I am a diehard believer in never buy early access, and you cannot pay me enough money to kickstart a video game anymore because from from about 2011, 2012, I used to do it. And I think out of probably the two dozen games I've backed on Kickstarter, maybe two of them have come out, and maybe one of them was half good. They're just terrible. It's because you just give a bunch of people money, and then they don't know how to manage the money, and the game either just, here it comes, or it's there, it, it never happens because... And it seems like every family tragedy in the world occurs to these Kickstarter people. It's like, oh, Grandma died, and now I'm kicked out of my basement. And it's like, well, that's that money. Um, but this you don't I, get paid back if it doesn't get released. No, not at all. Like you can, it depends on the person. You can ask for a refund, and they can maybe out of their they're under no obligation because after the Kickstarter is done, if it's hit its uh, if it's hit its limit, the money goes, and then it's that's considered you have given them the money. If the project happens, the project happens. I could be off on this because I think there maybe they've added some protections now to for that sort of stuff. But what are you going to do? Like, how do you how do you say the project failed according to your metric? What if the game comes out and it stinks? I'd consider that failure. I want my money back. But oh, I mean, that because they spent your money, you're probably not going to get it back. Yeah, exactly. Now they they, they like release nothing, utterly nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could probably. Get well, and there have been examples of this that where it's just and the guy most of the time I'll give them credit. They are apologetic. They say I'm sorry. This just I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, if you want a refund, hit me up. And to be honest, I think most people, including myself, is kind of like. You know what? Take the fifteen dollars. Just <laughs> it sounds like your life is terrible, <laughs> and you need this money more than I need it. But uh, I've got a new business. Plan. Wait, <laughs> yeah, just what you're, what you're saying is I should kickstart a video game without any artifacts, and then um, if it just goes, you know, you're just an I, I have guy. a family tragedy. Yeah, hmm. you just list off, rattle off the terrible things in your life. And uh, but anyway, going back to my original thing is that the I broke my rule: no early access because Steam early access I think is part of the part of this cancer that is slowly killing gaming um, because developers can release something that isn't done, that's unpolished, and has no, uh, for the most part, I think, roadmap to ever being completed with the few exceptions, um, and people just keep buying it. And you're paying for, similar to the Kickstarter, you're giving people money for something that's not done yet. At least in early access, theoretically, there's something to play, there's something to enjoy. But for most of my, like, I've refused to give early access money. When the game's done, I'll talk to you. But I broke my rule because somebody uh, convinced me to buy a game called Dead Cells, 
and it's oh. a, a side-scrolling Metroid style. Um, you can call it a Souls-like if you want, but I think that's just bending Dark Souls in a lazy way to a game that has no connection to it. But it's more of a... a ro- Do you ever play Rogue Legacy? Do you remember that game? Yeah. It's it's a good Rogue Legacy because Rogue Legacy I thought was too floaty and it was just utterly random. Whereas this one, you could theoretically be just dodging and beating everything on your first run. Whereas Rogue Legacy, you won't do that. I think it's impossible to win. But as you go by, you sl- your character slowly gets better. But when you die, you die. That runs over. And all the stuff you have on you is wiped from the get-go and you restart with different abilities. But it is one of the most profoundly addicting games <laughs> I've picked up recently because you lose, but you're like... I've learned so much, and then you just want to like level up some more skills or get some more items to unlock, and you're figuring different combos, and just feels like you're 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 making this incremental progress. But when you lose, it's you most of the time it's your fault entirely, and it's it's also a very pretty game. So there, it's it's as far as early access goes, I think not only have I gotten a lot of money out of it, but it's also a pretty good game, and there's more content coming. So I guess you could argue this is an example of a way to do early access, but PUBG oh, sure. you might argue as well. Well, I mean, really the things that succeed in early access have some level of polish to them and are pretty fairly functional. Mm-hmm. And then they're just adding content for the most part. Um, like PUBG's pretty much like kind of like finished in a playable state. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's unoptimized. it's it's t- I, When I'm watching our friend streaming, it looks like he has every setting on very low because apparently it's just like the only way to maintain like a playable frame rate of I'm talking like oh, minimum that, 40. Why? I, I just thought his computer was like poverty or something. I was like, <laughs> look at this, this like pixelated shadow from like 12 years ago. Oh man, I saw that shadow. Oh god, the horror. But there's other stuff too that has nothing to do with like the optimization, like grass clipping through the floor, which is like an example of bad programming because it means you're rendering all these objects unnecessarily. Like you should almost just have mm-hmm. it. So like don't try to create all these these objects. And apparently like the ocean, another example, renders right through all the objects so it's rendering something a body of water that's not even being seen by the player constantly beneath the island so you wonder why the frame rates yeah it's a waste it's but it's early access for you well i mean they're also selling it as like a, ooh, this is using the like leading unreal engine and it's like if you can't play it <laughs> yeah. on like high at least yeah it, it's not really using the leading unreal engine because, it doesn't you know, look like it's not it, really mm-hmm. utilizing it very well if you have to play on low but the, but again, it's not like it's not. You're not going into it supposedly for a graphical experience. You're going in for the gameplay. And I don't know. Have you have you even played it yet, Joel? Have you just watched? Yeah. I was debating buying it, and then Joe was all like, "No, no, you need to watch Summit play for an hour to learn how to play <laughs> before you're allowed to buy it or join my game." And I was like, "I have to go train and like watch someone else stream." Uh, no. Go play for Grimdon instead. Oh, it looks Bam. awesome. It looks. It's tempting. I'll I'll give yeah. you that. But I don't know. It's forty bucks approximately, I think, and. Uh, I don't. It, it's just. It strikes me as a fad. That's what I'm worried about. It's just one of these things that it's like it's it's, it's too popular right now. <laughs> Pardon me. It's the next for honor. Was that even what? a fad? Did it? Well, hit that, that's why. Huge. Did, did you everybody know? Everybody stopped playing. I was reading this morning. They added loot crates to player unknown battlegrounds. Yeah, I've had this yeah, conversation man. with people about it, and it seems like most people don't care. But I always thought it wasn't necessarily the fact that they added it, but it's the fact that it's an early access game where they've already put in microtransactions. They've already put in. Like, more attempts to squeeze players when the game's not even done yet. It, well, I don't get it. Are they making people pay for these crates? You can get two of them for free. Like, you can unlock two of them the, with lower drops, but the third one you have to buy, like, a key Team Fortress 2 style, I believe. Yeah, the first one's lame. always free. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, Joel. Huh? I mean, it depends on what these things are like. You know, like, Rocket League, for example, has crates, but when you pay for keys, that's going to, like, MLG prize money. 
You yeah, but, all right, hold on. Oh, so, right. well, sorry. Right. In theory, it's going to MLG prize money. So, I think, um, but they can't afford known, MLG prize money. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Player known is ostensibly, according to what I've read, I could be doing it wrong, is saying they're raising money for tournament pools. Again, not my problem. I don't care if you're raising money. Well, I would, it would if you had a charity, I'd at least be more like it's the money's not going in your pocket. It's not you just scamming people. It's going to help a cause. Don't they charge people to go into the tournaments? I like, thought what's they wrong char- yeah. I thought there's tournament tournament fees, players, but nobody's going to pay the fee to go to the tournament if there's yeah. nothing to win. So maybe I don't know. It's one of these chicken. I'm not in the sure egg. if there Make are it a fifty fifty. Are, are you sure there's fees? I have no idea. I know nothing about entrance fees to uh, tournaments. Well, I don't know. They I just don't care like, if you need to raise money for a tournament. It's like maybe a, like, a, like an esports game. They usually give Ugh. you the game for free. Ugh. You know, because if you're playing as a professional, I mean, clearly you don't have enough oh money. God. to You said buy so many things that upset me. What? Well, I mean, I'm talking about like StarCraft Two, Blizzard, Blizzard, Blizzard. Anybody stop giving the game away for free to esports players? Oh my God. Sorry. And just streaming like. The very fact uh. that Patrick's streaming. Whoops. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, it's, people are streaming it. It's but it, again, streaming is becoming ubiquitous too. It's almost like I don't turn on a game just for myself. It's like I'm turning it on for my audience, and people are, and, and especially if there's a monetary background to it. It's like everything I'm doing, there's supposed to be some sort of, like, uh, oh please reward me for doing something hilarious or awesome. It's like why not free market? If you somebody wants to give you some cash for doing something stupid, not take off your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! That, that's not that's appropriate for Twitch, there, buddy. Yeah, you could you leave your shirt on for Twitch. Well, you, you wear you wear a low cut shirt for though. Twitch. Maybe you should watch the <laughs> show and make your own decisions. <laughs> yeah, tune into the show. Who is definitely not the person I just mentioned, but somebody else entirely. Uh, so Franco. And you can watch uh, someone play PUBG, and it'll probably not make you want to buy the game, to be honest. But I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick musical break, and we're going to come back with some uh, grand tales of conflict on different scales and eras and types. What do we talk about every episode? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's going to come up, which may be aggravating for some, but not for others. So stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, Android's Dungeon. You just heard, of course, uh, 1812 Overture, the first six minutes and 42 seconds of it. Uh, apparently full with cannons, but we did not get that far. Still just have to imagine uh, a bunch of uh, triumphant, <laughs> maybe pirates are involved, I don't know. Um, outstanding. I think most people probably know 1812 Overture from Beef Vendetta at this point. Because um, you'll play, oh yeah, that song from Viva Vendetta, which was probably the best part of the movie and the closest part to the comic book or the graphic novel. But I have some hard, hard opinions on the Viva oh, Vendetta yeah. film, so let's let's not get into that. Um, today we have two big games on docket. Um, one of which is an Android's Dungeon. Uh, I'm not sure what you want to call it, a bedrock. It seems like we can't do an episode without it. It's a, it's, it's our, a staple. It's a staple. That's what we're looking for. And the other is, is becoming a staple. <laughs> it's like our, our bed and butter of this show. Uh, but let's get started with uh, everyone's favorite game of Euro, Euro hex-based resource management conflict, Scythe. Scythe! Scythe. Josh, tell us about Scythe because I just want to start this with a little disclaimer. I was undefeated at Scythe for a while, but as the way of Istanbul, it did not last and lo and behold, I am no longer undefeated. Wait, wait, wait. Did, did I defeat you at Istanbul? Well, I've been I mean, take, defeated get, by a lot get of in line, Joe. <laughs> in Istanbul. Oh, shoot, shoot. Oh, oh for seven. No, but, but <laughs> hold on. We have to defend Joel a little bit here because his losses in Istanbul have been nail biters. It's been kind of like, it, at least the ones I've seen have been, it could have gone either way very, very easily. So it's not like you're just getting blown out of the water. At least the ones I've seen. That Maybe just makes you had, it more painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's then. But you might as well. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be upset about a close loss. What, that's yeah. how you get back to not playing games that involve dice. Well, don't rely on the dice. And, that was. Ooh, one don't of them. rely I on the, the dice. One where oh. I, I had three chances to roll a seven and I failed every time. You should give it up after time number one. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> anyway, back, back to uh, Scythe. Back, back to Scythe. So it was a two-player game, right? Uh, right, Josh. What's a two-player game? Scythe one-on-one. Is that what we did? No, no, no. We had like six people. It was like Scythe showdown. Bam. And the six max is that? This is was the biggest uh, you can do without the expansion, I think. Or you go to go up to seven. You're playing with the I expansion. Don't know. You characters. have to play with the expansion. Yeah. Because um, sorry, base game is five players, but spots for seven. And we were playing with evaders from afar, so you can go up to seven. Um, but we did have six, and someone even we had both expansion races actually, which is nice. I'd never seen those before. Very interesting. Yeah, I want to mention this. This one of the leaders from afar sort of Japanese group. Mm-hmm. Um, very good, but also very bad. Uh, they have these traps so they can basically hold down a spot where it's brutal penalties if you go to that spot. And every time you get in a fight with them, they gain two power, so all of a sudden they sneak power out of nowhere. But on the flip side, they cannot get two movement. Oh, they're always restricted to one. Yes. All their mechs and stuff or just the hero? Everything. 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 Only res- it's actually like that for both <laughs> expansion races. But they're very powerful as a side What effect. was the, uh, the the Viking one? What was their ability? Uh, the Viking guys? Oh, shoot. I'm struggling to remember. But he actually wasn't in the game very much. Um, <laughs> but hey, it, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, oh, we'll I do we'll know come that, back to it. I, I know see that some of, their, some of their mech abilities were, uh, like, they had a fortify and a shield. So it's like, um, if you attack them, you get minus two power. And if they attack you, they get plus two power, for example. Those are hmm. some of their mech abilities um, that were replacing got, things like movement. I don't think Anthony got in a single fight. That wasn't Anthony. It was uh, it was Naso. Oh, Naso. Yes, he was yeah. playing the, the, he green, was the green mech guys. 
Anyways, oh, I remember what their special ability is. They can drop flags when they move to a new location. Okay, what is the flag? And they can teleport to the flag. Um, And I mean, traps are similar because you can drop a trap when you move your hero to a new location. (laughs) And you can teleport back to any trap as well. So they do have a teleport, but the thing is only your hero can drop these things as they're sort of moving towards the middle. And they can only move one. So it's more like a a method of backtracking quickly and less a method of moving forwards. Backtrapping. Ooh, 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 that's true. That's very true. Anywho. So six-player game of Scythe, uh, everyone, there was no fighting. It was super peaceful, and everyone <laughs> just got along and just did their own thing, right? Uh, I am pretty sure that's not how it went down. There was a lot of shanking going on, um, to much of which Joel was privy to the shanking, both <laughs> in attempting to shank and being shanked you know, into a corner, thus preventing him from winning the game. I got some of the messages, and I just like I, I was on the outside of this because they, you guys played in the boardroom. It was uh, later on a Friday night. The game went on an atrocious amount of time from like from when it started to when it finished. And Joel was updating me slowly throughout the night, or gradually throughout the night of this, of, of the happenings. And I was just flabbergasted at the amount of fighting. And I don't know whether it was because it was a six-player game where there's just the space is so tight, or just because people played it like uh, medieval to- ri- or a- fantasy risk. It's a totally different game. Like this was not anything like the other sites I've played like it was complete, it was so much fun mm-hmm. because it was so engaging that we were always uh, interacting with each other but in my history of Scythe and these includes all the games I've played with you it's kind of been uh, we'll do our own thing for a while and then uh, oh well we need two more stars so we'll then go, there's a fight yeah. we'll do a fight and a fight to end the game right no this time it was like turn two turn three all over the place there was a fight every round at least just going around the board, sometimes two or three. It, it just doesn't normally happen, like Joel was saying. The fights are so sporadic, and maybe, I think it's a weakness because I think you should be fighting more in the in the games we've played than we have because it, you it's such when you lose a fight, it is crippling. Not only has your opponent gained a victory condition, uh, like one, you can get two stars max from fights, so they're already part of the way to winning the game. But your mech and all your workers that were there are gone. They move back to the home base. And the movements to get people to those spaces that you may have been setting up for turns, I think is so crippling in a game that is so tight when it comes to balancing, taking a top action and using the bottom action every time if possible. So if somebody's completely messed it up, and even worse, if you had resources sitting there in anticipation of using them, and somebody swoops in and not only forces your guys back home and then takes your shit, it's it's a disaster. It is not good. Josh, did you lose any fights? No, I mean, I'm a, I'm a winner at all fights. I'm a heavyweight champion. <laughs> and and who won the game? What? Oh, oh, maybe me. But, I mean, whatever. These things happen. You and, guys were so busy shanking each other, and I was so busy just producing. And what stuff. race were you, Josh? Oh, I mean, you know, like we were playing the Anthem of My People, I think, over there. I was playing the Rust Viets, and I had the industry card, which made it extra dope. Um, and what does the great. industry do? Oh, it's just it lets you build lots of stuff. It's and a, <coughs> what's sorry. the Rusfiat's power? Let's remind everybody. Oh, the Rusfiat's power? You can, um, oh, wait, which one? Oh, you can use any action consecutively as many times as you like. So I could just sit there and move and move and move or build and build and build or just keep using my factory special card to, like, uh, enlist every turn and move and do that four times in a row and then profit, you know. Was it just so you got to instantly put an enlistment thing down and move? That was your factory? Uh, my factory card was uh, pay one popularity and enlist or upgrade and move Incredible. one unit too. And I Incredible. may have used that seven times in a row or so, um, which is just game-breaking, but, I mean, it's not news. When Joel's winning, he's usually playing Rust Fiat's. 
It's so. so before we go any further, there are statistics that some guy who played way too many games of Scythe on Board Game Geek, and he broke it down into the factions and the boards. I forget what you call them the the type of economy that worker they board, have, the worker board, yeah. and percentage wise, some boards were down at the bottom and some were near the top. And the ones at the top, I believe, I don't, I can't remember the worker board they had, but Crimea, which was Joel's uh, faction, was at the top for the most wins. Um, and I think Roosevelt was like maybe top three and there was somebody else in there, but there are definitely factions that were way lower no matter what board they have. And I think it, there, it is, and this could be a poor craftsman blaming his tools for his failures, but I think there are better starts and better boards for certain factions because sometimes it's just like, what, what happened with you, Joel? There's no wood for what you needed in this, uh. Oh, no, no, no. What? I had an okay... I had, no, I had actually a really good start, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, starting out, uh, I have a village to my right, so obviously eight men right away. Yeah. Same as always. Uh, make a mech. Uh, move them around, same as usual. Move them onto the iron thing. Start getting all my mechs. It was no problem. And But then once I got three mechs, I wanted to leave. Well, uh, the only exit for... Uh, what's the race again? Crimea. For the Crimeans is um, through to this oil spot right in the middle in front of you. Uh, and it just happened to be the main combat zone of the entire game. <laughs> so there was always someone there, uh, always somebody with a lot of forces there, and they always um, just happened to have a five-power card <laughs> in their hand. <laughs> Which is like, it really isn't, and when you're describing it, like describe the fights because it's not like you just, you're arrogant and you're like, there's no way they can beat me. It came down to... Yeah. Like, it was <laughs> it was it was dumb luck. Yeah. And oh then, well, I mean, even before then, I guess the fighting actually started in the Rusviet homeland. You know, um, uh, and I mean, earlier you were explaining like game setup and how fighting doesn't really occur very much, Jack. But both of the new factions actually start on the mainland, and they don't need to like riverwalk to get anywhere. Really? They just walk to the middle, um, which is sort of potentially why they can't move too. If they mm -hmm. can move too, they'd just be in the factory and be like. It still takes you turns there. to set up, though. It's not oh, like you sure. can just warp to um, two. And in, for example, instead of like riverwalk, um, the 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 Japanese people, whatever the hero was playing, they had the ability to like move across any river with one unit. Hmm. So he just like well, walked over to my homeland and attacked me inside of my own homeland. And I was just like, damn. And we had like relatively the same power, but he just gives like a bonus two immediately. And I was like, well, that sucks. Well, we're yeah, like, at the beginning, that's We're like else. tied. So it's like, okay. I mean, you know, like I have a five. If you have a five, we tie and I lose. You shank my homeland like on turn two yeah. or whatever. And that's pretty rough. But I mean, like I just happen to have a five. He just happened to have a four and I defeated the evil invaders. <laughs> And, and that, that was that was that so was he when lost you know and he got a card and what card did he get? I guess he got a five because then, then he was like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna walk past the oil field right next to my starting zone. I'm not even gonna bother to drop a worker there. I'm gonna mine over in front of Joel and then you know take this he five combat four card oil and just with a single ugh. unit right there. How am I not gonna attack that? Yeah, and I have four power. He has no power. Um, Should be easy pickings. Right, because he had just gotten in a fight with him. He spent yeah. all his power. So he buffs up. Okay, he's at two power. Big deal. I've got a four card in my hand. I'm, I'm feeling flush. Yeah. Uh, four power attacks two power. Well, oh, he has an ability yeah. uh, where if he gets attacked, he gets two power. So now it's four power against four power. Getting a little nervous here. <laughs> I, I still got I still this. got a four, <laughs> so I'm playing eight. Oh, he's picked up a five. His only card is a five. Yeah. So I lose. I pick up a card. Obviously, it's a two. It's 
I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I, I, my knee-jerk response is to think it's, and this is not, it, it's, it's off base, but it's comparable. So when we played Game of Thrones the other week, we had these dumb cards, which I think should be burned from the box. <laughs> Never use. It's the races? No, the, not the, the races. special people? No, not even those. those. Some of those are wildly different, though. So I've got mixed feelings. But they were things called the Fates of Battle. Basically, so you have already done some math and you're thinking and you're looking at Josh and Josh has played most of his cards and it's like, what has he got? I'm pretty sure he played his five card already or his most powerful thing. I'm good. What happens is when you resolve a fight, then everyone suddenly draws from the top of this deck and there's modifiers. So suddenly Josh is plus three and I have minus three and maybe, and now the like everything that I've strateg strategized has gone into the garbage bin just because we basically rolled dice or drew from the top. I'm not saying it's the same thing as Scythe, it's something you gotta keep in mind that like statistically, like what are the odds he drew the five? What are the odds he has the only combination of cards? Although he could have tied you, right? And he still would have yep. won. No, 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 attackers win ties. Attackers win ties, which again, rewards so he had fighting. one card. He one card he could, and he got fight. it. Yeah. I mean, what makes matters worse is really the fact that Oh, insight! The only penalty for attacking is really you lose popularity. And if you don't have any, I mean, you're free to shank anybody at yeah. any time without any penalty. And I mean, like you should receive like a power penalty if you have no popularity no, and I, you I, shank I, a worker or something. You know, like something should happen. Like yeah, if I'm shanking a bottle of four workers and I have no popularity to lose, it's like there's no there's no downside. I, it, to me, it's like you're already doing so poorly. If you have, if you're at such low popularity that you are just willy-nilly attacking people, and I'm trying to think like Saxony, for example, their whole you thing can is just keep it there. You yeah, you well, no, there, sh it. there should be a rebellion. Like, I mean, if we're simulating real life scythe. Well, why would there Steve be a rebellion? Fantasy, maybe the uh, Saxony you're people. You're so are like, unpopular. Yeah, awesome. There's like you're overthrown. <laughs> you know, your workers start like you, you know committing suicide, yeah. or they start like migrating over to Rusviet because it's such a nice place to live. You know, like this could happen. It's like legit. You can do this. Like if you're at zero popularity and you attack a place with two workers, two of your workers are removed from the game. Uh, oh, <laughs> wow! They're like permanently gone. They're Brutal. never coming Brutal. back. Brutal. So we're already house ruling. <laughs> but did somebody do that in the game? Was oh, that, yeah, is yeah, that what yeah. Harry was up that, to? That's what Harry was doing it all the time. Just yeah. He was at zero popularity. He was fine with that. He wasn't trying to gain any. Wait, what you're saying is he was fine with being a fascist dictator and, uh, you know, a villain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he almost got away with it, too. He, Ooh, he, he, lost he almost won the points. game, too, that Harry. Ooh. It's, but it's close. And, so, and spoiler alert, Josh Faria won this game. Uh, so Josh, what did you do? What was your strategy to win? Did you do anything differently or did you just try to play the game the exact same way and avoid uh, any sort of obvious pitfalls? I mean, when you're playing Resviets, obviously you want to rush the factory because you can, and then, you know, milk it. So I basically just teleported to the factory. I came home and I was like, let's just build everything. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, like in a previous game of Scythe, where we realized that the enlist mechanic works in a way that we did not understand. Yeah. Um, Joel had, you know, enlisted like three times, for example, and then just got like an endless amount of free money out of it. Mm -hmm. It was obscene. Which is victory points. Uh, because yeah. every time Josh does something and everything, every time Harry does something that are next to him, he's getting benefits, 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 yeah. popularity, money, uh, power, whatever. And so let's go beyond this because you played with three people who had never played it before or four people? Uh, three. three. Three, maybe? How do you think it was for people who had never played Scythe before? And Because it's a weird beast. It's not a it's not a fight, fight, fight game. It's not a it's not a Euro. It's not Viticulture. It's a weird combination of the two. It's closer to the Euro side, I'd say. But how do you think the newbies responded to the game? 
Um, I mean, some of them were enjoying it, but I mean, they might have felt it affected a little bit. I don't think NASA was enjoying it, but uh, yeah. One he would just like ninja take very, his very long time, which is what? tough because there's oh a... well I mean there's lots of options and that can be overwhelming and I'm I'm the last person to throw some AP stones because I can I can definitely stare it's like ask Kale about Caverna and <laughs> that's a bad bad decision oh I don't know playing Rusviets and me is a terrible thing because I take a lot of time when I have a lot of choices and when you're Rusviets you have all the choices times two yeah. you just keep doing the same thing over and over again it's like. Should I do the same thing over again? It's so good, but I mean, I could do this other thing too. But did you find teaching it was an easy exercise? Like, is it fairly simple to grasp what you're doing? Or what, did you find there's some hurdles with how the board works and like the idea of, because I think one of the things I've noticed when you're teaching somebody new is the idea of, like, oh, you do the top action and then you do the bottom action and it's, you keep going back. So I do the bottom action this part here or do I only do one of them? How does it work? Uh, I, I think some of them struggle with the whole top action, bottom action thing. I keep telling them to like move their thing around because you can't do the same thing the next round. Except for um, you, who can, yeah. which makes the rule. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. They're like, wait, yeah. you keep doing that. It's like, it's I'm special. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I can do that, comrade. Yeah. yeah. Russians always win. Well, I mean, it's harder to teach somebody <laughs> what strategy to apply. They'd be, you know, like, they'd be like, what should I do? And it's like, well, I mean, that's really hard to say. Like what you should I'm be doing. I'm the last doing person you should ask. There are like so many different ways you can win. Um, and I don't know. You kind of have to adapt to what's going on around you. And what's going around them is not what's going on around me. Cause me and Harry fight a giant shank war while Joel's like boxed in. And it's like they're just over there being like, oh, we're we're playing in the sandbox. <laughs> they just did their own thing. I don't uh, think let's, let's, let's all be friends until Harry comes over here to shank us. <laughs> oh, Joel's you, teleporting across the map to shank me. Oh, shoot. And then he failed. Damn. <laughs> I really I would I 100% recommend playing Scythe with a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Right? Just get a ton of players in, six player, seven player. It is so different and mm -hmm. it's super fun. Uh mm -hmm. preferably experienced ones, but uh do it, uh play it. Um I would say that the rush for power, like just everybody trying to bolster all the time because is of a fighting. huge difference because people bolstering. need to get enough fire to, power to beat other people. In the low lower player counts like 3 or 4, I find bolstering is always an afterthought. It's like Nobody the action is like eh. Well, I mean when you get, we have those expansion races in and they like auto get buff whenever they attack or you attack them, you have to be stronger before yeah, the fight starts. Otherwise you just automatically lose. They get yeah. their power for free, but Yeah. Yeah. So do they actually take it from you? Like if you had two power, it's like, and then they go up. No, no, they no, they, they just, just go they up. Just okay. That would be yeah. brutal. Although you could lose it. You could lose like three or four power if you lock on one of their traps. Oh, okay. Oh. So it's like an actual, like you, if you activate a trap, <laughs> their trap card. Well, I mean, if you, if you attack it. the green people, you do lose power. But that's different. <laughs> okay. So Scythe totally different experience at six players you'd endorse it as, try. but veterans and the time length what was it from start to finish do you think I think you started 8 30 9 o'clock I don't think we were trying to play very quickly though there was a lot of memeing going on a lot of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonations oh little God. Jamie action Watch jingle all the way yeah <laughs> really I think there was a side chess game going as well. Three and a half, four hours. So <laughs> that's a decent amount of time. It's a I longer mean, game. But we were, we were drinking beer. We weren't uh, very food focused. Food chain magnet? I don't know. Oh, God. I hope not. Well, Jesus. that's there's our segue right there, right there, speaking of long games. And to be honest, the food chain, I think, lasted just exactly as what I thought it was going to be. Although at the beginning, I thought we were cruising. I was thinking, oh, man, we're going to... We're gonna be out of here pretty quick. People put in a lot of twos but then, and three hundreds. Yeah, so when the bank breaks, it suddenly was eleven $1 hundred dollars in there, which was more than so what the game start with like four or five hundred bucks. So we almost more than doubled what we had in there initially. And that's when things slowed down, I think. But uh, Joel, do you wanna what were your thoughts on our most recent game of Food Chain Magnet with five players? Which is the max. It was fun. Five players, I mean 
so again we had analysis paralysis where it was always one or two people were sitting there waiting for everybody uh <laughs> by one or two people maybe, you mean <laughs> maybe it wasn't sitting i think the majority of the people knew what they wanted to do and they had it out but then there's always one person who's got 14 people they want to employ and they're sorting through the cards and take one out put one in and mm -hmm. you know 15 minutes later we start the round and it's it's painful, but for me, especially because I did uh, the waitress strategy mm -hmm. and uh, the waitress strategy is play seven waitresses every time and then play whatever else you can. Uh, I think if I played it again, I would do nine waitresses. Just go all out, train up one uh, sort of executive all the way to the top and then take the extra room and try to play with that, steal some food. I, would have gone, I think I would drinks. go to like turn them into a guru. So just do it slightly slower again. Just like have, once you get the guru, then do the executive VP. And then and then that's when your engine's really starting yeah, to click. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was really, I was that was my idea. I was going to go guru and then I was like, oh, but I could use these guys, you know? So I started throwing them all out. Well, then I'm paying them salaries every time. It's yeah, like, so it, the for those who aren't aware, the guru in Food Chain Magnet is this like top tier trainer that basically you can train the same person three times, just like that. And if you don't have the milestone where you can use multiple trainers on the same person, this is essential. Coach is like the slightly worse trainer or a guru. You can do it two times, same person. But it's mostly also you're, you're, you're freeing up space in your org structure. And that's the real big deal because when you're, when you're starting to play, especially with uh, Joel's strategy here, where he's describing his entire organization sucked up by these waitresses who are making five bucks a turn, but he also got the CFO bonus uh, way before anyone was even in a position to, so getting plus 50%. 50%. 50%. So 50% it, extra chauvinism with a little fedora. <laughs> <laughs> a little feather, feather in the cap there, buddy. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the basic. Do you the even joke. serve food here, buddy? <laughs> yeah, that's a running joke, and I think... Was is, it, is, do, you, do you just serve free spaghetti on Wednesdays or something? What is, what is this? <laughs> was it your friend Gabe that uh, did waitresses? Oh, yeah, time? I was like, you chauvinist bastard. How, yeah. how dare you almost win? Yeah, <laughs> this is a little sketch when you've got <laughs> executives and waitresses and you're making all this money but nobody knows where it's coming from yeah and you're not paying the waitresses mind you that's something else that's un unstated in the game is you have all these employees that they're making to money not, somehow they're yeah. making money and you're not paying them and they're not leaving until you fire them so there's there's some strange things happening in food chain magnet why City. fire a waitress you don't even have to give them yeah any so money. You, that's it you never want to get rid of waitress and <laughs> i think so joel so we ended the game i think technically one round too early because there was a bit of money left in the bank, so we could have gone one more. But for all intent purposes, I consider Joel the winner of the game because he had the most amount of money when we were all basically done, and, and you had... I want to talk about the, the rule. I don't know, somebody popped it out, but like we didn't really explore it at all. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there wasn't actually any money left, where were we going to get enough money for the next round? And the first 50 was going to me, we knew that. Mm -hmm. And then there was going to be 25 bucks left. Yeah. But... According to somebody looked it up and said uh, you just keep on kind of getting theoretical money if the bank well it'd be it. like because this happened in the game we played at uh, Josh's place where the game mm -hmm. ended and there wasn't enough money for it so it's you just hand out you basically would just go into whatever reserve because that's why there's extra bills there mm -hmm. and you just pay out people whatever they would have been owed that round it's not like the first person to make the last little bit of money ends the game and that's like nobody else gets anything else kind of like one of these which would be an interesting that mechanic cool. but, like <laughs> but then, just, because just, then, I then you just waitress <laughs> <laughs> but I really I was super happy with the experience and beyond a couple of hiccups here and there it's just I think 
again, it's, it's something that just grows on me more and more. And I think about it. That's the th- I think I honestly dreamed about it that night where it was haunting me a little bit as I went to bed thinking about Food Chain Magnet, what I could have done differently and what I wanted to do differently. And I got stymied with, you saw me, where I ran into trouble with food because... Lack of food, and then the food demand kind of got attached to all the drink demand. And then I couldn't do anything with it. And when the gurus got stolen, that really kicked me in while I was down because then I had trouble sort of... My my org was so tight that I couldn't... I I didn't have the room to move, but it it was... I really enjoyed the experience. But for everyone else's benefit and Josh's, um, basically Jack became the king of beer, Mm -hmm. and he did an airplane campaign that was eternal to this giant group of uh, houses with always wanted beer and he was the one with the beer and he'd put on some super big discounts so that no one could compete with his prices and he wasn't making all that much money off of them but then he had a bonus five dollars for drinks and so it all balanced out and he was making 11 bucks per drink and just selling tons of drinks. Stealing drinks from Rodrigo's uh, wife, Lindsay. But then some punk snuck in and started advertising pizza all over the beer houses. And all of a sudden, everybody <laughs> wanted pizza and beer. And Jack who, didn't who, have any who cooks. Was, who was advertising this pizza? Uh, Mark. It was. A, it's a smart move. That's If somebody's selling something you can't sell, might as well put an ad down there for stuff that's going to ruin it so they can't do it and force them to move on. And Mark just had... I've never seen so many meeples on one person's board in Food Chain Magnate before. It's just like the, just this mound of them. And he was using the fridge to grade a building. fridge, yeah. But it's just, he produced so much stuff. He was making eight pizza and eight beer, or sorry, eight pizza and eight burgers per Everything, round. he could fulfill every demand on the board almost. And it was something else. So wait, you're saying the Mark one or Joel one? No, Joel one. But after, let's, so let's imagine we had done one more round and then it was either Mark or Jack after that. And then it would have been a fight between. Although I don't know what you would have been up to. Would you? Did you have the ability to make any food or? Drinks? I probably would have made another hundred bucks. But uh, you know, I think uh, when you think about the fact that I won with four hundred and forty-four, and I think in this in the round before the end, uh, Mark made about two hundred dollars. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> the, Just crazy. The chance of me uh, coming away with it was pretty slim. Anyway, it was it was a very. T- I think for some of us, it was a tighter game. I felt bad for Rodrigo because he just never got off the ground. And he was broke. I've never seen somebody he couldn't run out of people. money that late in the game. Hmm. I guess he didn't have a couple of waitresses to float. Joel had stolen them he all. He should have got yeah, some free income. Ooh. But there's a certain way where you can get uh, $100 off waitresses in five rounds. I think it's four rounds. And in four rounds, you can And then you just transfer. Steadily. And then you get the extra 50% for the rest of the game. So why not? For free. That's like a a lazy strategy, though, Joel. Well, it's a great way to start your game, I'd say. This music signifies an end to not only this uh, scintillating talk about Food Chain Magnet that maybe only appeals to a couple people. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. My headphones stopped working half an hour ago. So Joel's just been like mouth lip reading, actually. But uh, we're running out of time, so I'm going to say thank you to... Uh, everyone for tuning in and I'm Jack I'm Joel I'm Josh thanks for listening stay tuned